and welcome to Series 3 of Autism in Conversation with Auticon, a podcast from Auticon, a global IT consultancy whose consultants are all autistic. This series is designed to help raise greater understanding and appreciation of autism through fascinating conversations with inspirational guests. Hosted by me, Carrie Grant, each episode will feature fantastic guests from all walks of life who share a passion for making the world more inclusive. We'll be talking about the many benefits of hiring neurodivergent talent through to some of the more common challenges faced by autistic adults navigating the workplace, plus much, much more. All of my four children are neurodivergent, yay! So this is a subject very close to my heart. I'm really looking forward to facilitating some great conversations about autism and hopefully learning some new things along the way. I hope you enjoy it too. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Autism in Conversation with Auticon. Today, I'll be chatting to Virgin's Chief Purpose and Vision Officer, Holly Branson. Holly's also the founder of Big Change, chair of Virgin Unite, and first-time author, and a mother of three. Wowza, she's a busy lady. She's also the daughter of Virgin founder Richard Branson, who was one of the first people to back Auticon and someone who is also neurodivergent himself. Welcome, Holly. Hello. It's so lovely to have you uh, with me on this podcast. Um, I've admired you from afar for a very long while. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's so Mm. wonderful to talk about these topics and just get the the information out there. So it's really wonderful to be here today. Yeah. So let's start. If we could just give a little bit of background on you, because you've done lots of different roles, haven't you? Um, And and had quite, you know, you've you've moved around a bit. So tell us a little bit about the shape of your career path and where it's landed now. Yeah. So as you say, I've had different roles. It hasn't been a linear line for me in my career. I grew up always wanting to be a doctor uh, from the age of three. That was my life goal, my life passion. And I was I was one of those kids that um, whenever anyone asked me all the way through my childhood, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said I wanted to be a doctor. That never changed. Like most kids, you want to be a doctor one day, a nurse the next, a uh, sure. superhero the next. And, and for me, it wasn't like that. I had this goal in my mind of what I wanted to do, um, which actually made life at school so much more easier because I, I knew the subjects I needed to take. I knew how hard I needed to work. And um, I managed to get into medical school, uh, which was my like literally my dream come true. And then I worked as a junior doctor in London at Chelsea and Westminster. Um, and I, I just, I mean, never wavered and always loved it until in my second um, year, you get randomly allocated jobs in the NHS. Well, you did 20 years ago. No, I don't know if things have changed now. Um, and I got given a purely surgical rotation and I just knew I didn't want to be a surgeon. I much prefer to be with awake patients and people I can talk to. And um, and so so I was just chatting to my mum and dad at dinner one day. And um, and they said, why don't you take a year out of medicine um, and then reapply the following year? And I didn't even think that was an option. And when I spoke to lots of doctors, they're like, no, lots of people do this. Um, um, and so that's what I did. And in that year out, I did an internship at Virgin around all the different Virgin companies from Virgin Atlantic to Virgin Trains, Virgin Media, um, Virgin Money, all the big ones. Um, and my one year internship turned to two, which turned to three because I was just really enjoying what I was learning. Um, and at, at sort of three years, I realized I was never going to go back to medicine. Um, and, and my role at Virgin has predominantly been purpose-based. I've been um, embedding our purpose, which is changing business for good, into the very heart of everything that we do as a brand. Um, 
Uh, Virgin has had sort of purpose at the heart of it. Dad set up Virgin to do the right thing for people from the very beginning, but we didn't sort of formally have a strategy on how we're going to amplify that around all of the different Virgin group. And so that's what sort of I was being charged with for the last 10 years with our amazing purpose team. Um, and it's great. I get to work with the most amazing Virgin people in all the different Virgin companies, literally all over the world. And so as much as I loved being a doctor, which I really, really did, um, I've never regretted that decision to change that course of career. And I've just loved what I do. And now I'm um, chief purpose and vision officer. So that's been two years I've been doing that role. Um, and it's all about just making sure all of our companies have got meaning and um, they really know how that they're, what they do in, in society plays a big difference in people's lives for now and in the future and looking after our planet. So that's wow. my career. And then, I, and then I love things like education um, and I'm chair, chair, chair of Virgin Unite and I've got a charity called Big Change which focuses on education. Um, I think the education system is is still set up um, to really focus on exams and it's not helping young people thrive in life. Um, uh, kids are not leaving school prepared for the world of work. Um, and so we, we sort of promote and uh, um, invest in and partner with small scale charities to help them grow in the UK. And um, we backed 36 incredible projects over the last 10 years. Wow. Gosh, I could just take that in a hundred different directions, what you said there. I love the ethos. I love the heart. I love this desire to do good. And I love the way that you are, uh, as an organisation, trying to uh, really put purpose as an important part of business because we don't necessarily see those two things together. And you've also mentioned there, Holly, about education and exams, and these are areas that actually some of our autistic community are super good at exams and can just, you know, they're, they're, they can just do exams very, very easily. But many, um, I mean, I run a support group for a couple of hundred families, and we know that the uh, autistic uh, girls and those assigned female at birth, and we know that exams are often not a good way to judge an autistic person. You miss out on so much um, the interview structure and system that's set up for jobs. Autistic people don't always do really well on those kinds of things. So this really sets our divergent communities back. Um, could you tell us your thoughts on what diversity looks like from your point of view, uh, from a kind of virgin point of view? What, what does... What does it mean to you to be engaging with and, and looking at how, how you interact with your neurodivergent uh, people, population? Yeah, so I think just sort of simply put, diversity means we've got to recognise and we've got to embrace and we've got to include everyone in society from all walks of life. Um, nobody should be um, excluded from anything just because someone might be neurodivergent or transgender or an immigrant. Um, they might be a refugee or an ex-offender. It doesn't mean they should be excluded from any part of life. And I really think that we need to be celebrating these differences because I think that's what makes worlds so exciting, doesn't it? It makes it vibrant. Um, everyone needs to be given the opportunity to just be their true self without any barriers of discrimination. And I think that embracing diversity just makes life so much more fun and interesting. I was really lucky. I was brought up in a family that really valued like 
getting to know different people, different cultures, um, and finding about, out about their lives. And I feel really extremely grateful to my mum and dad for instilling that in my brother and I, because it just makes life so much more fuller. Um, when I think about neurodiversity uh, specifically, I've got a dyslexic father, I've got a dyslexic husband, and I, I possibly have a dyslexic son who's just going through all the tests. And so, um, but with dad, I um, really knew, um, you know, the pros and the cons or the positives and the negatives of, of being dyslexic. And, um, and, um, and, and so it was just, it's really interesting to see that and see the struggles that have happened with that. But when I was younger, I went to um, a school where you had to go to um, either cadet training or you had to go to um, do volunteering. And I decided I wanted to go and volunteer in an autistic school when I was 16. Um, and it was just so brilliant to learn those different forms of how you deal with different people. So the autistic school I went to, um, it was severely autistic kids who really struggled with any form of eye contact or physical touch. And, you know, as a 16 year old, my instinct was if someone was upset to give them a hug. And you learn very quickly that that doesn't work with a very autistic person. Um, and, and their teachers taught us how you can do very different things like clapping games and you can, um, you can um, have different ways of showing how you care towards an autistic person. I just think experiences like that not only are they rewarding, but they teach you how to, that, that everyone is different. And I think if we can educate more people to get firsthand experience in, in how, how everyone is really different, whether it comes to just, um, you know, differences in gender, you know, I'm not 100% certain single sex schools are the right way forward either. Um, different ethnicities, different sexualities, everyone's got their different thoughts. I think everyone's got to have that um, really broad mindset and experience to be able to embrace people um, and so um, I, I'm so grateful that I had that experience. It gave me a lot of an understanding of autism um, and it made me understand the importance of really looking at a whole person, not just what you see on the outset, because um, the, the kids that I were with, um, it was quite um, nerve wracking to begin with when you see someone rocking in a corner or, um, but when you take the time, you really just see how the personality in there of the, these young kids was absolutely incredible and how bright they were. But on the surface, you couldn't necessarily see that. And if we could just try and get more people to have loads of different experiences, I think the world would be a better place. Mm, exposure is so important, isn't it? Otherwise, if we don't have exposure, we we can very easily be afraid of the things that we don't know. I think also the the intersections, you know, it's very, un, it's very unlikely that someone is just going to be autistic. I think about just one of my children who is, you know, mixed race, autistic, trans, queer, uh, you know, there, there's, there, we're multiple, we've got multiple layers going on. Um, but why is it important in the business world to engage with children like mine? I mean, my, my child is doing really well. They're on television. They've got a whole career. They're doing great. You know, thank you very much. And Lime Pictures, who make Hollyoaks, are brilliant. You know, they're wonderful. But I don't see that everywhere. I really don't. What I see is judgment. And I see the things that you've just spoken uh, about earlier as, you know, you would be judged as woke. And that would be seen as a negative thing. And and how do we get from that kind of being labelled woke to, well, I'm quite happy to have been awakened. I would rather be awake, to be honest. But 
you know, how do we shift that where it becomes a positive thing to include people who are out there on the margins? Yeah, I, I think, um, like, luckily, I think that the, there's, we're on a journey now and we that, that train has left the station. I think everyone's talking about it, which is utterly important. And I think that people have realised that diversity of thought is critical in society. And you know, we focus on diversity of thought in business. Um, uh, you know, it gives new perspectives, you get new ideas. I think it does encourage innovation. I think you break down barriers. Um, and I really think that if you can be as diverse as possible, you are also helping your business uh, reflect the communities that they serve. Uh, I, there's loads of research now also just to show that having a diverse workforce is really good for your profits. Um, um, and, and so it doesn't have to be profit or purpose. They, uh, that's one of the things that I bang on about is that it both goes hand in hand. Um, I think, you know, what Autocon does with hiring people with autism is a, a really good example, as you as you know, Carrie. Like many people on the autistic spectrum are, they're talented in ways a workplace needs. And I think that's the message that people have to get across. You're, you're not doing that person, you're not being kind to that person doing something nice for them. You're doing something nice because your business also needs it too. And, and, um, and you know, autistic people have the most amazing mindset when it comes to sort of lateral thinking and problem solving pattern recognition you know there's these are qualities that workplaces need nowadays um and you know it's just the right thing to do as well like i really think it's such the right thing to do we we see so often when leaders employ leaders you know who they look at to build up as their you know the legacy the, the inheritance who's who comes next so often we have carbon copies don't we 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 have your you know your cis straight white man uh, oxbridge educated goes for the next exactly the same thing so what are the blocks to that why is that you know, we know why it's happening in a way because it's historical. But what are the blocks now? If we, if the train has left the station, why are we still not really seeing the fruit of that? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, to, to me, I think it's recruitment. Um, I think um, you know what Autocon's doing is absolutely brilliant. We need to have much more innovative ways of 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 inclusive recruitment processes to make sure that we can uh, reach those new people. Like often, as you were saying, um, you know, it's when it comes to, say, autistic people, it, interviews aren't the way that they're going to show their best self. And our process at the moment is firstly looking at exam results. Most most companies still look at exam results, what university you went to, and then they get you in for an interview. Now, those two things are not right for everybody. And I think you've got to make sure you have a really broad range of ways that you're hiring people. I mean, we've started saying at Virgin Management, we're, gonna, we're not going to look at exam results anymore. Um, we've got two reasons why we're doing that is because, you know, firstly, you, you, you have, um, uh, you're not narrowing down your people to just the ones that can pass exams. But also, I really feel that if we, if lots and lots of businesses over the world start doing that, then people don't have to go to university to get the exams. There'll be other paths that, that, that people can take. Um, so, yeah, I think that we've just got to make sure that we are looking for people's unique skill sets um, and we have different ways that we can recruit. And, and I know that there's Autocom's one example. And I, I really like the way that um, you guys send, um, send people into companies to help uh, settle in people who have autism when they've been hired for the role because not everybody knows um, how you're meant to do that. So I think that's I think I think that's a big one. Or, uh, I would say 
recruitment and then and then actually representation i mean as you were saying it's like you know you always hire people who look like you well that seems to be typically what's happening um and like we just need more diversity in leadership um we need more diversity in marketing campaigns um and and i know dad with dyslexia he's he's trying his hardest to make sure that dyslexia isn't a stigma anymore and he, he's shouting about how for him it was a superpower and i think for everyone with dyslexia it is a superpower i mean i i, I see how my son's brain works and the way he you know he answers questions and his the way his logical thinking i'm like oh my god you know i'd love that in a business and so i think it's 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 things like that it's um trying to cut out those preconceived ideas on what what people are with those labels and and absolutely trying not to stigmatize them yeah just going back a little bit then holly what is virgin's connection to Auticon, and how did that connection come about so we invested in Auticon. Um, it was back in 2016. We were just so impressed with what the company was creating, um, employing people with autism uh, and getting employment for those people, but also um, alongside that, helping businesses thrive as well. Um, we, we, we have a purpose at business, changing business for good. Uh, sorry, at Virgin, uh, changing business for good. And it's the overarching purpose for all of our businesses. Um, obviously, each individual one has their own one that's specific to their industry. But we... Um, we are absolutely wanting all of our businesses to do the right thing for people, communities, planet. Um, and so we just really believe that in that bracket is diversity and inclusion. It is high up there on our agenda. Um, and so the work that Autocon's doing to change attitudes around autism and just give people with autism a voice um, is just crucial to inclusivity. And that's why we decided to back everyone there. And the team there are absolutely brilliant too. So we always back good people as well. So in terms of what Virgin are doing, obviously you're working with Auticon, um, which is great. And thank you. We really appreciate that. I'm just not that I work for Auticon, but just, you know, I, I can see that I can see the impact on our community. It's absolutely incredible. So thank you for that. Um, what are some of the best examples that Virgin has done to improve diversity uh, and inclusion uh, that other businesses can perhaps learn from? Yeah, um, we, we've been thinking about this now for a long time. Um, so I've been in the role for ten years, and um, and it's and it's been on our agenda for for, for all that time. Um, and um, so we've got a few things that we're doing now. Um, firstly, is the recruitment practices um, uh, that that making sure your shortlist is as as diverse. Uh, as you would like it to be. So so you can set yourself as high targets as you'd like to be. And I, I think the higher, the better, really. But making sure that um, every single person that's interviewed is um, is 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 diverse. Um, we we within all of our Virgin companies, we have um, DNI groups, diversity groups, whether um, that be gender, ethnicity, disability, age, um, sexual orientation and social mobility. Um, we have groups of people who self-select themselves into it. So anyone just volunteers to go and be part of those groups. And each V team member, senior leadership team member, I'm, I'm one of them, uh, leads those groups. So I'm part of the ethnicity team. And it means that we meet monthly and we just talk about any issues that are arising within the company, but also any issues are happening um, across the UK and across the world. Um, and also, we really try and dig deep into what other companies are doing. Is, is anyone doing anything really game-changing in the world of like oh, ethnicity? That. or in? Um, and it's great. And it means that everyone feels that they're part of a conversation. Um, so you, we can talk about topics um, 
because they're newsworthy um, uh, at, at that time or talk about topics about how we want to really improve a certain area. So, so that's worked really well. And we've been doing that for a long time. And um, that's been great. And I really think that we've learned a lot from our people. You learn so much. Businesses learn so much from their people and actually probably learn, learn more than your people than you do from the, you know, the people at the top who are, um, you know, they, 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 you know, they are living and live, have their lived experiences and expertise. And so that's really important. Um, Virgin Startup is our, um, is our not-for-profit who gives um, um, uh, uh, loans to small startups in the UK. And also they do mentorship and sort of lots of different um, uh, training programs. But they realised that in the UK, such a small percentage of startup funds were ending up in the pockets of women founders, female founders. Wow. Um, and so they set themselves a target of 50-50. I mean, I think in the UK, it's something like 3%. And for them at the beginning, it was 20%. And they were like, well, this is just not good enough. And so they set themselves a target of 50-50 equal numbers of male and female entrepreneurs. Um, and what is just so um, encouraging to see is that because they had that target to aim to, they've managed to nearly get there. They're not quite there. They were They were really close. And then... When COVID happened and loads of women dropped out of being entrepreneurs because they, they ended up focusing on family at home during coronavirus, the numbers slipped back. But we are now back up to about 47%. Um, and they did that through easy things. I mean, things that they're so easy once you hear them. But um, but until you hear them, you don't think about it. So um, they looked at their, they had someone come in. It was a gender consultant come in and have a look at what they were up to and you know, look at their website most of the people on their website were men, the pictures of people on their website. So, you know, they changed that to 50-50. There's things you can do with all your prose that you have written alongside your website to make it more um, gender neutral and and actually make it focus on on women. So there's there's lots of stuff like that, which you can absolutely learn from others. Um, And until you hear it, you're like, oh my God, that's such a no brainer. I can't believe that we weren't thinking that before. Um, but that's really driving change. We've got, I mean, I, I mean, I could go on for ages. I don't know how many more you want that's to hear. That's amazing. But, um, no, it's really good. And I, I think what I love, I, I think it's very easy sometimes when we are from a particular community or those, you know, I, I talked about, you know, I've got four neurodivergent children, you know, also mixed race, different you know, gender stuff, non-binary stuff, sexuality stuff. And, and I think that it's very easy for me to I mean I'm banging on my drum because I see my communities and I'm like come on guys but I think if you're not from those communities that's when for me we get the tipping point is when we have people that, that they've got no skin in the game you know that they're just people who who can see this is the right thing to do and it's and it's what you started by saying it's purposeful it's it's good it's actually mm. good it's business for good um and I think I think that's the thing about uh, the more and more businesses that start shouting about it publicly. Um, I, I think it um, you sort of give everybody then permission. It's quite it's a bit more daunting to being the, the first one. So I mean, Virgin Atlantic, you know, long quite a long time ago, they said to everyone, "Be yourself." You know, they, they weren't expecting their uh, hostesses to, um, yeah, you know, all wear the exact same makeup. They like you know, and, and the stewards, of course, um, but. You know, be yourself. If you're a steward and you want to wear makeup, absolutely, that's fine. But just come to work feeling like you can be your whole self. And I think then you have a knock-on effect on the industry where other, other in that, say in that case, airlines think, yes. oh, you know, we can do this too. We don't have to make everyone um, dress, you know, look 100% the same. Yeah, I love that. Are there any other companies that you look at and you think, oh, I love what they're doing? Um, 
I mean, so just only because it was in the news this morning, but you know what, you know what Patagonia have done today about saying that 100% of its profits are now going to, or they've given the company over to climate issues. I mean, these are big purposeful things that businesses are doing now and you can't get, you can't get really get bigger than that. Um, and, and, and yeah, there's so, there are, there, it's, there's lots of different things that people are doing. I think the, the support that goes out for like the LGBTQ communities now, you just think 25 years ago, it, it wouldn't have been the same, you know, and now it's brilliant that most companies are really standing behind the LGBTQ communities. That's wonderful. And when you look to the future, Holly, what are your hopes for the future when it comes to making the workplace more inclusive? What would you like to see? I would like to see it more inclusive. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think um, I, I, I think the conversation's shifting. I think it's absolutely shifting in the right direction. I think more and more businesses are realizing that there is benefits to a truly inclusive workforce. Um, more and more people are realizing there's benefits to a truly inclusive world. And I think what's great is it's, you know, that's the shift. And, it, and, and I'm so happy that it's going in the right direction. I just think you just need these conversations to grow louder and louder. And I really think that everybody just needs to embrace diversity. Um, and we need to really make sure there's strategies within business, not just people talking about it. Because I think that's where things that don't change like the conversation is really important but then the strategy needs to be put in place to make sure um things change and then and then i just think more and more people out there who have the ability to should be supporting things like autocon or just different ways of recruiting different ways of getting everybody into the workplace um and um and then the world would just be a better place and i i'm i'm, I'm excited about the future because i really do think we're on on the correct path to get there. Holly Branson, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism in Conversation with Auticon. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, would be interested in applying for a job as an Auticon consultant, or would like further information about how Auticon can help support your business, please visit auticon.co.uk. This episode was recorded in September 2022. Recording and production was at Strathmore Studios in Clerkenwell, London. It was engineered and edited by Billy Godfrey and music was by The Lethargies. That's all from us this time. Thanks again for listening and bye for now. Thank you.